Hello and welcome back to Society Owes Me, a Gen X podcast. I'm Lily. This is Hannah. Hello, I'm Hannah. Hello, Lily. <laughs> Hello. Um, today, Hannah has a wonderful um, treat for us. I don't know what it is. She's going to tell me. She's told me not to get too excited. Now I'm a bit worried. Go ahead, Hannah. What are we doing? Uh, okay, let me kick off with a little bit of this. M, Lily, is for a few things. This is M for Motley Crue. Oh. How do you feel about Motley Crue? Um, I think you're faking me out again. Listen, like listen to the music, Lily. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> do you know what the song is, Lily? Yes, I do. Ring a few bells. It's that rubbish Madonna. <laughs> How very dainty. Okay. Don't worry, M. It's not for Motley Crue. It's not exclusively for Madonna. Okay. Part of it is a much better version. <laughs> I thought you'd I'm a convert. It. Okay. Well, before we move on, I'll tell you a little bit about this version. So this is from the Dirt soundtrack that came out in 2019. Oh, I I've been holding off watching that because I've heard it's really gross. It keeps coming up as a recommendation on uh, is it Prime or Netflix? I'm not sure. One of those. I haven't indulged yeah. it either. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. But I can tell you that Nicky Six of Motley Crue told Classic Rock Magazine that uh, this song came about because he was walking his dog, dog dogs one day uh, and all of a sudden the idea popped into his head and he looked up as if to God and started laughing. And he said to himself, <laughs> that's the worst idea ever. <laughs> Maybe it was Nicky. <laughs> Maybe it was. But he called Bob Rock and he was like, uh, I don't think the guys are going to go for it. And then he demoed it and he went over to Tommy Lee's house and he said, I've got a song to play you. I'm going to go into the bathroom and hide because I don't want you to punch me in the face. And it starts going and Tommy gets this huge smile on his face and he says, this is so effing wrong. And then he talked to Mick and Vince and they were like, fuck it, let's go. Um, well, Hannah, you know, you shovel enough drugs at the nose. <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a cracking version though. I don't know what Her Majesty like thinks about it. it. but She probably uh, hates it because it's taking attention off her. Okay. <laughs> Right, I'm going to play you another version of this song that is also not by Madonna. Great. So I mean, um, a lot of not Madonna is <laughs> right up my street. I'm going to play you some Madonna. <laughs> but tell me if you it's can figure out who this is. Madonna, is it? <laughs> okay, so you might recognise this voice, these sounds. I'll let it play for a little bit. And, uh, I know I'm going to keep myself, but no. I'm not, I'm not. I won't tell you straight away. Let's give you a bit of time. But whilst it's it is playing, Street Preachers. <laughs> oh, no, no. But funny you should well, mention the Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> right. Okay. You carry on pondering whilst I'll tell you a bit more about what M is for. Okay. Okay. School me, Mom. I'm just gonna. What are you drinking tonight, Lily? You might want to have a swig. Oh. <laughs> Brace yourself. Some ginny gin gin of course. Oh, me too. That is good. Right. Any idea what this is yet? Well, it's um, a version of Madonna's like a version. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you. Uh, this is, funny enough, 
Teenage Fire Club's version of Like a Virgin. Oh, that would explain why so, they're making <laughs> For two people who kind of think Teenage Fan Club are okay, they've featured quite a lot in this podcast yeah. already. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of Teen curious. is coming up. No. Anyway. <laughs> just no. Okay. Right, I will reveal what yeah. M is for. So M is for... Madonna covers. <laughs> it nearly was, actually. I did spend a lot of time listening to Madonna covers. I couldn't find any... Uh, Actually, that's a lie. No, I found I found an absolutely bloody brilliant one that I'm going to play for you at the end, which is the best Madonna cover, possibly right. the best cover of anything ever. Uh, but I'm definitely going to save that till the end because that is a treat. I've subjected my kids to the entire week. Um, okay, right. M is for <laughs> me, myself, and I. I'm afraid M is the narcissist. <laughs> Wow. Bear with me. You you can have your turn. But M is for my most watched live artists. Okay. Most so, watched where? Uh, just in general in my life. It's the oh, three right, okay. artists that I have watched most live in my life. So these I are thought all... you might be coming out with your Spotify most played. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's both artists or bands that I have seen in my life in the double digits now okay so you can probably guess <laughs> what one of them is is this is this in a 90s framework it's from 1987 onwards okay okay so there's a clue there who do you think had a day i saw in 1987 i know who you bloody saw because <laughs> you told me okay so um it's for madonna the manic street preachers and mark morris of the blue tones oh wow <laughs> sorry not sorry <laughs> it's probably gonna be a short one i'll try and make it as oh i'll say it's short well thanks for listening everybody uh it's it's been fun and uh it's it's sad that we have to end the podcast altogether uh, you can uh, do but, the black know. crows and michael buble you know any point oh, in, off. In future. And you i will not say a word. stop making me swear <laughs> okay anyway right i don't love the teenage fan club version i think it's fine but um sorry this is sorry not sorry i'm gonna stop oh, right. apologizing press on but, okay, so <laughs> this is the only madonna song sung by madonna <laughs> i will play you this evening look i had the true blue album all right excellent i did like madonna but then i was a child you know for the same reason I don't blame people who bought like a Take That album when they were 10 or so. So you're telling Any me older that older than that is criminal, Ooh. but yeah, that's right. I've got an opinion. <laughs> you're, you're telling me that it's okay to like Madonna when you're a child, but not into your 20s or 30s. I just think it's a little suspect, you know, what's going on there. No, anyway, I get it. La, la, la. Um, what do you call it? Uh, um, you know, that thing that that's the reason that we did the podcast. Uh, nostalgia. That's it. Okay. M is for nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So anyway, um, Like a Virgin, which is not this song. This is obviously La Isla Bonita. But since I played you Like a Virgin twice, I'll tell you a bit about that song whilst this plays. So Like a Virgin uh, came out in 1984, her second studio album. And here's my first link. So it was written by the song that is, not the entire album, was written by Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. Now, those names may ring bells to you because we've talked about them in this podcast before because they wrote The Bangles' Eternal Flame. Oh. So, uh, there you go. It was produced by Niall Rogers, 
who I'm funny enough supposed to be seeing at a festival this uh, this year, playing at the Victoria's Festival Festival in Portsmouth. If that goes ahead, oh, so exciting. So um, Seinberg said that it was inspired by his personal experiences of romance, and Rogers initially apparently didn't feel that it had a sufficient hook, but he changed his mind after it got stuck in his head a lot. So uh, there you go. Um, uh, so Madonna's first tour was the 1985 Virgin Tour. It was her first tour in North America. And can you remember who the support act was on that tour? <laughs> no. You're the one that told me no, way I back. Yes, you are. Oh, wait. Oh, no. We can't have Dead Space. The Beastie Boys. Yes, you told me that me. fact. No. So there you go. That, that, there's something that should never have happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, so fast forward a couple of years to 1987. The Who's That Girl tour, okay? So that was that was her first world tour. So the Like a Virgin one was just North America. Who's That Girl was the first world tour, and that was covering both the True Blue album, which you have just revealed that you did in fact have, and the Who's That Girl soundtrack. Did you ever watch the Who's That Girl movie? I remember watching it. It was one of those times where your parents, friends, and their kids come over which we were talking about recently which is when you're a kid and you knew that if you just stayed quiet enough and it approached nine o'clock they'd forget all about you because they're in their cups and having a good time downstairs so and they'd hired who's that girl oh. for us to watch uh, upstairs on the old vhs and uh, yeah they totally totally forgot all about us and uh, that's what we're watching result do you remember if they enjoyed it no, they're all boys that did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a box office flop, but the soundtrack did really, really well. Um, Madonna had four songs on it, uh, and there were other art- other Warner Brothers artists on it, including Club Nouveau and Scritti Politti. Yeah, oh, really? Scritti Politti. Yeah, um, well, there you go. Don't feel sorry for Love Boy. It was played in our car group. Um, what was I going to say? This was a Marilyn Monroe phase where she was even kind of tall yeah. like her, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she had the blonde Marilyn hair. And yeah, she even did that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, nails, chalkboard. It's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I know, I'm so sorry. It's Oscar worthy. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh dear, like I said, when he's finished, I haven't even got to that. But anyway, um, back to Who's That Girl. So my first gig at Wembley. It sold out in a record-breaking 18 hours and nine minutes, or record-breaking for, for them, seven. obviously. How did you persuade your parents at seven years old? I mean, you must be quite... You've got I the didn't chat, need Hannah. to. I didn't need to. So the gig was in August, so I'd just turned seven. I was, yeah, seven and a bit. And uh, I remember it was one, I guess, I think, it, yeah, it must have been like early summer, um, and my dad... Um, took me down to the bottom of the garden uh, away from my brother and he said um, have a look in my that's actually dodgy doesn't it it sounds a little ominous <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't want my brother to know because he didn't have a present for my brother oh god that sounds even worse <laughs> anyway <laughs> this is just a really different podcast. you and your disgusting mind <laughs> I know I listen to too much true crime I'm sorry <laughs> Anyway, move on. <laughs> Edit that up. Uh, this is good. this is gonna just—it's gonna sound worse. I don't know how else I can put it. Oh he God. asked me. Oh to, no! No, <laughs> tell me, tell me. He did not tell you to put that hand in his pocket. Oh fuck! It was his top shirt pocket. <laughs> oh no! Hey, this is all 
oh, 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 God, I've just, oh, God, I don't, can I even tell the rest of this story? Oh, there's more. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so in his top shirt pocket, there was one Madonna. <laughs> I reckon it was £16. <laughs> oh, my God, stop it. My dad. I'm so sorry. Jesus. I'm so sorry. Anyway, sixteen pounds. I remember that was a hell of a lot of money, and uh, so I was very excited. <laughs> and then thought, I'm only seven. I can't go and see Madonna in London on my own. <laughs> I think at that point he pulled the other one out of his back pocket. I don't think I got it out of the back pocket. <laughs> oh, you're horrible! Stop oh, it. My- I've got to have a drink. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Behave yourself. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, I've I, I lost my bread now. Lost way, I've listened to way too much drink, bro. Anyway, Just lately, best night in my life. That was. <laughs> you, you, you can blame the lockdown. Uh, what can I say? I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, so anyway, anyway, so off you were to yeah. Wembley with off, the chaperone, presumably, it? Yeah. <laughs> and it was a school night as well oh my do you know do you do you do you understand that my parents would have literally laughed in my face if i just so much as suggested that you know they take me to a gig much less on a school night i hadn't even suggested it I hadn't oh my crossed God. my mind i was like i'm seven like you know i'm gonna have to wait a long time to see madonna but my dad was a madonna fan too. he's the one that got uh, me into madonna oh so yeah become. i had no idea so i'd loved to since the age of four so he used you as the sort of token oh no my daughter uh, really loves her but he was there like to just go himself oh, okay yeah 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 so yeah so anyway went up there on a school night and obviously it was just the best thing ever and you know she, she was incredible just like non-stop for like three hours and we were right up in the um what do you call it like well just right up in the gods of Wembley and even standing on a chair um I can you know, I couldn't see anything. There were massive video screens and stuff, but I still couldn't see above everyone else's heads, even standing on a chair. Um, so I was stood on the back, on, on, on the, you know, the very back of the seat of the chair, holding onto my dad's neck and dancing and yelling every single word, <laughs> every single song into his ears for three hours. Um, but just looking, looking back at the set list now, like bear in mind, this was her first world tour ever. So it was really early on in her career. And um, she was already like in the set list is Open Your Heart, Lucky Star, True Blue, Papa Don't Preach, White Heat, Causing Commotion, which I nearly I had put on this playlist and I cut loads of stuff out because I just knew you wouldn't appreciate it because you've got no taste. Uh, the Look of Love, uh, Dress You Up, Material Girl, Like a Virgin, Where's the Party, Live to Tell, Into the Groove, La Isla Bonita, Who's That Girl, Holiday. Like most of those are still to this day like massively well known that what a set list for that early on don't you think yes Thanks, I noise do. lily yes, come I. on <laughs> whoop whoop <laughs> anyway yay baby hannah <laughs> so that was wonderful um oh, and the costume changes she had like nine costume changes just you know and she had the pointy the pointy bras and the tassels and stuff oh, at very the stage. age appropriate it sounds like <laughs> well, much more age appropriate than some of the latest stuff. she's sort of banging the floor like she uh... no this was all still quite innocent no if she that... was shagging one of her dancers then wasn't she that guy uh, yeah. tony something was it well the, yeah. um, lordis's uh no no no, no. this is earlier than that yeah 
I want to say no, Tony she Ward. Was in, no, she was in Sean, Sean Penn at this stage, I think. Oh, still Sean Penn. Yeah, because when she tried to kill his career by a Shanghai surprise or whatever. Surprise. <laughs> oh, she, 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 causing a commotion was written about Sean Penn, apparently, about their like, you know, volatile relationship. And True Blue was written about her love for Sean Penn as well. That was a love song to him. Um, yeah, because I think they talked about their love being like True Blue or something. I don't even know what that means. But I mean, if you consider, you know, like, that's a hell of a comeback that Sean Penn made to be sort of reasonably cool after all of that drama. You know what I mean? Oh, come on. I'm just saying. I'm being quite serious. I saw him um, in Central Park once filming. He had a big backcombed, teased wig on and loads of makeup. I don't know what he was filming. Not filming very, very weird. No, no, this was a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Oh, recently. Yeah, I think he's a dude. That's good. I think, I think the, the model, male model, yeah, his name was Tony Ward. You know, that guy, he was in loads of her videos yeah, and I've, she was shagging him, I think. And Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think she's had a few men. Well, indeed, indeed. But Sorry. yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, where was I? Um, oh, Papa Don't Preach, she dedicated it to uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, yeah, they were like on the screens. Ooh, they were like pictures that he, of the Pope and Reagan because he was president at the time. Was this before he excommunicated her? Uh, I think it was as a result of this. Yeah, right. and he was urging all her fans to, uh, you know, boycott the tour and everything. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Laisa Bonita, um, which I have already played you, um, that was and still is one of my favourite songs ever. And so um, my oldest buddy uh, ever, Amy massive fan every uh, every madonna tour but one it's amy that i've been to see madonna with so i think i tossed it up think seen her 13 times now maybe so the, the two concerts that i haven't seen are blonde ambition because i went off her then mm. so amy went so amy couldn't come on the who's that girl tour um her, <laughs> her parents wouldn't allow her because it was a school night maybe that's why she never forgave them she kicked <laughs> off big time so when it came around to blonde ambition they had to take her but I wasn't into Madonna by that point I had a little bit of a break because I loved Kylie and Jason <laughs> by that the point. hits just keep coming <laughs> so yeah because <laughs> blonde ambition was the time of you know like the sex book and stuff and so yeah it was all it turned me off a little how bit did you, just out of interest how did she manage to worm her way back into your affections then I don't know. So I missed out on Bon Ambition in the girly show. And then, I don't know, I saw the light again, didn't I? <laughs> Came back. Because that's just... frozen era. <laughs> yeah, well, all of the other tours I've I've been to see, at, at, yeah, at least once. I think, um, um, yeah, I think a couple of them I've, I've been a couple of times. So for my 21st, um, my dad wanted to get me like a, I don't know, like a nice watch or something as a 21st birthday present. And um, I've never been into jewellery or any fancy stuff or anything. Mum was like, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, Madonna's touring though. Let's get a ticket to see Madonna. So they got me tickets to go and see her in Paris and two Eurostar tickets. And said, you know, you can choose who you want to go with. And stupidly, I decided to take my husband and then felt really bad about it. So then went with Amy to see her. I think it was what Earl's Court that year afterwards. <laughs> Um, and I think the next tour, I also went and saw her twice, once with Amy and once with uh, my friend Nat, who's also a, a big fan. Anyway, anyway, um, love her, obviously. But Laisa Bonita, Amy and I used to sing in our... <laughs> this 
it's going to sound really dodgy again, but it's not. It's super, super innocent. Um, what do you mean we... again? We've cut out that other bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that cannot go so to her. Amy in her old house, um, she had like a really wide uh, windowsill in her bedroom that looked over the garden. And so we would climb up on the windowsill with our petticoats, you know, because we'd have like petty. Did you ever wear a petticoat under your school uniform? <laughs> No, people are getting this idea that you're incredibly I know, privileged. <laughs> what do you mean petticoats to school? Well, it was just like a vest, no. but with a little skirt. At the, no, well, well, just not necessarily to school, but no, it was a 90s thing. No, no. no. Well, anyway, and we'd have, you know, we'd sing into our hairbrushes to this song in particular. Absolutely loved it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you're wishing that Amy was on this podcast now, aren't you? <laughs> you wish to put her in instead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, right. Oh, here we go. Okay. Another link. So here's one of my links back to your previous podcast. So I think I need to play a bit more. Like, let's have, do it you? just feels wrong to be talking about this when it's not in the background. You can turn it down a bit if you want. But... How's this? So <laughs> this horrible <laughs> <laughs> <a> cow. <laughs> so this is written and produced by Madonna and Patrick Leonard, who co wrote Tell Me. Do you remember Tell Me? Tell Me. Tell You're me. very sorry for doing this to me. <laughs> you played it last week. At least I think it was last week that you played it to me. Uh, Dude, that, Nick, that felt like Nick Carmen. Is it Carmen? Nick Carmen. Oh, God, yes. That... It was that song. Oh, Lord, yeah, yeah. Okay. So apparently the original composition of this was offered to Michael Jackson originally. Uh, I guess he turned it down, but then Madonna accepted it. You're not it. a fan, Adam. I'm surprised to hear <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah. Let's not get into that. <laughs> He had talent. Um, He's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and dangerous. Oh, oh. He, it's all there for you. Oh, it's God. on this, the album. This covers. episode has taken a horrible. Just tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I am not going to disagree with you on that. But this is not about Michael Jackson. Madonna accepted this and she wrote the, the lyrics and the melody. Um. <laughs> well, Sorry, which song are we talking about now? <laughs> this one. Yeah, which one? Oh, this, this one. one. This one. This one. I thought you just said that, that Niall Rogers wrote it. Uh, no, that was like a virgin. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> Spent a long time uh, talking about these oh. two songs. Yeah. Okay. No. I so this was Patrick this. Leonard, who is the link to your last podcast. Niall Rogers wrote like like a virgin. No, he produced it. Okay. It was written by Tom Kelly and Billy Seinberg, who so who wrote, wrote Eternal Flame. Bonita, then Niall Rogers. No. No. So it came in fella. Oh my god, you've not know. been listening. I'm trying <laughs> to <laughs> Okay, the previous song, Like a Virgin, which I played you the Motley Crew and the Teenage yes. Fan Club version, was written by the guys that wrote Eternal Flame by the Bangles right. and produced by Nile Rogers. Okay. This song was written by Patrick Leonard, who did your Levi's dudes. Song. Okay. Okay. Got it? Yeah. I mean I didn't think Real. Nick came and wrote it, to be fair. Okay. And he's like Madonna's protege as well, isn't he? Yes. Musically. So. Yes, quite. So, right, before we move off Madonna. So this is my fault for doing the Levi's advert. I see that now. Exactly. I open the door. Exactly. You just walk through it. Exactly. I need to. Exactly. What is it? Prosettalize myself? <laughs> you need to just accept it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> for your fault. This is my fault. <laughs> yeah, I accept it. I see that now. Right. Okay. Final link. Uh, right, so another time that I saw Madonna perform this, it's, her, it's one of her most performed live songs as well. So I think she's played it on six of her world tours. 
uh, I saw her also perform it in 2007 at the Liver gig in Wembley. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. I didn't go. Yeah. So, um, and she, she did it with, uh, do you remember, uh, like, it's a sort of gypsy punk band called Go Gold Bordello? Mm-hmm. Oh, she, yeah, cool. She did this with them. But anyway, also on the bill for Live Earth were the SOS All-Stars, who were led by Roger Taylor, Chad Smith, and Taylor Hawkins. Wow. Another linky linky. Wait, uh, Genesis. Two so it was a, not together. No, it was basically a band of loads of drummers, oh. but led by all of these, by, by these three main drummers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think they were first on the bill. There was also Genesis, another link to last week. And drummer, yeah. yeah. Uh, Metallica, uh, Beastie Boys, Foo Fighters, and Red Hot Chili Peppers all played at that, uh, at that gig. It was good. I don't know where I was. I know, I was in, I lived in London. I just don't remember where I was. I was well, I nearly didn't make it. So we got, so I was living in Brighton. Um, and I think I had tickets to my parents as well. So Chris and I were going up and then meeting my parents who had, who didn't live in Brighton at the time. Um, and we rushed to get, we, we, we rushed to get the train, like the fast train that only stopped at East Croydon, which is like, you know, like a 40 minute yeah. ride. And we, we got there just in the nick of time with like 30 seconds to go, like massive relief. Whew. And then realized, shit, left the tickets no. home. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so like, Damn, this isn't the slow train. Oh no. I had to go all the way to East Croydon, all the way back. Um, so yeah, that was a bit crap. But anyway, we still got to see Madonna and everyone else. Uh, right, okay. I'm not going to play you any more, Madonna. Thank you. Oh God, it's Manic Street Pizza <laughs> time. <laughs> okay. Come back, Mad Jules. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm having a little bit of microphone trouble tonight. I don't know why it's just being very um, silly. Right, on the way back from the Madonna concert when I was seven years old so it was pretty late it must have been like I don't know half 11 midnight or something it was a big queue to get out of Wembley we'd driven up um and there were lots of uh hawkers selling cans of you know fizzy pop to people as they were queuing uh I remember my dad you know winding winding the window down uh, you know we were both thirsty after having bopped away for three hours um, and I remember being blown away by the fact that a can of Coke was one pound. Like, that was so expensive. That is outrageous. They were like 20p or something, weren't they? But, you know, my dad. Yeah, it was. It was 18, 18p in 1985, I remember yes. that vividly. So, yeah, one pound. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, you know. It was thrifty even then. But, yeah, my dad bought, <laughs> bought me a one pound can of Coke. Mm. So, my link here is... I can't remember at what point in the song it is. I should have uh, done a little marker. But this is the Manuscript Preachers, Slash and Burn. Okay, so this came out in March 1992 on Columbia Records. It was their fourth single. It reached number 20 in the UK. Um, and there is a lyric in this. Not yet. Okay, but there was a lyric in this that goes, Madonna drinks Coke, and so you can too. Tastes real good, not like a sweet poison should. Do you like my, my very neat segue there into Madonna... Expensive cans of Coke in the Manic Street Preachers. That is beautiful. Thing. Yes. Thank you very much. For Thank that. you very much. <laughs> yeah. And also, can we just do a mini big up to Mr. C, best dad ever? My dad, seriously, I cannot explain to you how outraged my dad would have found just the very thought of this <laughs> at all. And uh, and he and he definitely brought us up to listen to his music and love what he loved. 
What was your first gig with your dad? Was it Mike and Mechanics? <laughs> no, <laughs> because I gave those tickets to you. And oh, your mum went. Actually, I thought you had you'd with seen your him dad. before, though. <laughs> had you not seen him with no. the dog? What was no. it, Doctor Dre? Then Snoop Dogg. No. Um, two back. No, we never really went to gigs together. Uh, but we did. Um, we took my dad to see Ben Taylor, son of James Taylor. Oh, cool. To Union Chapel in Islington for his 60th birthday. One nice. of our birthday presents because he really liked his music, and he was like, "I can't go to a gig. I'm too old." And we were like, "Fine, then we'll all go." we did oh brilliant yeah it was great we should take in something this year maybe next oh, year oh no well no subsequently we went to see uh this is very 80s joan armor trading uh, and cool. we saw um i was gonna say joe it's not joe walsh it's uh, the other guy um <laughs> joe, oh no i'm thinking of joe no i don't know i'm thinking what oh no the guy, guy remember that uh, the guy who was in the wire and he's in Steve Earle. Steve Earle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. He wasn't that jazz. He oh, wasn't that jazz, oh. but he enjoyed Ben Taylor, so I think next time we're going to take him to something a bit more contemporary. Okay. Manager pictures? I'm not sure Dad <laughs> would necessarily, although he would enjoy their political message. Okay, well, I mean, can I ask you what, do you, what do you think of Slash and Burn? <laughs> <laughs> You're too young to know. <laughs> so the band, it's fine. I just, I'm just not, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, bad about their music. It's not that I don't like their music. It's in just, hindsight, uh, no, just not, just not connecting to it. In, I should have given you the some way homework. I should have given you some homework and just let you absorb a couple of tracks before. No, I, I know that design for life is pretty much. I couldn't name another one. Really. Right, well, I was going to ask you, like, what you know, what what is the song that you first think of when you think of the Manic Street Preachers? Because I, I think most people would think that oh, so i kind of want to dispel sorry for being generic <laughs> no no but i think that's fair. I you know that know is them, you know really. that you know propelled them to a whole other level of rock stardom but that you know i love everything that manuscript preachers has, have done but that is that is a song that i will turn off when it comes now and it's the song that i really don't enjoy when they play live not necessarily because i don't like the song and i loved it when it came out because it's a good one but it, it's the song that all the the Oasis lads, and you know, and I do like Oasis. Oh, <laughs> not anywhere near as much as Oasis. But it is. But this that round, is. Do you? What? Not to do Oasis next. No, I'm not, I'm not. Trying to kill worry. me, music. But what I'm trying to say is, it's 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 for me. It, it's not what I love about Manchu Preachers. So I've picked a couple of songs that, but aside from Slash and Burn, Slash and Burn was just in there because of. Uh, the Madonna link. And because it's a cracking song, they describe themselves, or, or they described that song as uh, the Stones playing metal. And they, they were massively influenced by Guns N' Roses. So that's kind of like, that is the so Guns N' Roses side. I am astonished to hear that. I, I'm seriously. They are massively influenced by The Clash and what? Guns N' Roses. And I think you can what? you can hear it in that song. No, I, I cannot that hear that. Massively Guns N' Roses. No way, dude. <clears throat> okay. Anyway, I've picked two two songs, both from their first album, Generation Terrorists, both beginning with them, that I think kind of Sorry. show... <laughs> Sorry, that can took what me are about you five there? years to open. You should have done it in front of the mic. I love that sound. That was outrageously loud. I'm so sorry. COVID. I'm just going to blame COVID. Gin, gin, swig, pit stop. Mm -mm. Okay, right, where was I? Yeah, so 
I think they kind of show for me like the two sides of there are more than two sides to the Manics, but they show two different sides um, of the two things that I love the most about the Manics, I think. So the first one I'm going to play you is Motown Junk. Revolution, revolution. It doesn't all go like this, don't worry. So this was, um, it actually first came out as... Um, the B-side, um, it, it was released as a non-album single uh, on Heavenly Records in 1991, January two, 1991. It didn't chart, but it got a lot of attention. I think it was originally the B-side to Slash and Burn. Um, but they always play this at gigs, like it's a staple uh, at their gigs. Uh, the intro that you just heard, did it, did it ring any bells? Was it familiar? No. Okay, another link. Uh, that was Public Enemy. So they sample Public Enemy Introduction, and in the outro that you hear later, um, they sample the skids. So James Dean Bradfield, the singer of the Manix, um, says about this song that he remembers taking slight umbrage at the title Motown Drunk. So to give a bit of context, um, James Dean Bradfield is the singer and guitar <coughs> guitarist, but he's not the lyricist. So the lyrics were always written by Nicky Wire and Richie Edwards, and you know, now they're written by, by just Nicky. Um, but they always write the lyrics together. So he, he said that at first he took umbrage at the title Motown Junk because he loves uh, he loved Motown. Um, but then once he saw Richie and Nicky's lyrics, he totally understood what they were trying to get at. So Nicky said about it that it's the classic idea of pop music is vacuous. We love Motown, the bass lines, but we felt pop had become redundant and didn't mean anything. I so that's what that's, Motown That's fair to say. <laughs> Quite, right? No more true than today. <laughs> crank it up a little. Let's have a little listen. It is. That's as loud as it is. I turned it all the way up for you. I'm oh, afraid to love playing it loud. Turn it up on your phone where you are. Okay. Any more thoughts? Any advance on? Yeah, they're okay. No. <laughs> in fact, okay. In fact, this track may have set you back a bit. Damn it. I should have given this to you in advance and made you listen to it a few times until you've not <laughs> changed your mind. All that right. may not have been to okay. your advantage. All right. In that case, let's try this one. Oh, God, I forgot. I put the live version on, actually. So this is Motorcycle Emptiness. Oh, I know this one. I included the live version. I was at this gig. This was at the O2 in uh, 2014. I was very pregnant at this point with my second child. But this one, I think everybody stays for. They do. So you know Motorcycle Emptiness? I do. So, did you know that it was inspired by S.E. Hinton's Rumblefish, which is about biker gangs? No, I did no. not know that. Well, now you do. <laughs> this song reminds me of Jane. Does Jane like the Manics? I don't know. It just reminds me of her. Oh, maybe it was just a, what year did it come out? Uh, 1992. June 1992. Maybe just teenagers watching MTV over at Claire's house. Oh, speaking of MTV, have you ever seen the video to this? I mean, I think I have. So the video. This is, actually, I'll take you back. This one's not bad. It's not bad. It's bloody brilliant, this song. So the video was shot in Japan. Um, here's another Levi's advert link to you. James Dean Bradfield in the video looks like he could be a Levi's. <laughs> it's not a link. He is 
hot. He's wearing what? like these aviator sunglasses. Well, you never told me you fancied him. I don't. This is what? the thing. So for me, I've always loved Nicky Wire. Like he's my favourite man. Tall, the big bird, isn't tall, he? Tall. Yeah. So it was always like. So in the video, like Nikki and Richie uh, looking all, you know, they're in leopard print and they're looking really androgynous and all made up and stuff. James Dean, I mean, looks like James Dean. It's like, he's got these aviator sunglasses. He just looks fucking cool. Absolutely just beautiful. Sean <laughs> is wearing like this massive, like, I don't know, Parker or like really oversized, like, and he doesn't look, and he's got long hair, and he just doesn't look great, bless him, poor Sean. Sean's Anna, really hot now. Anna, I'm a bit scared. Really objectifying. Anna, no, I'm a bit scared. I'm actually enjoying this. Oh my god, yes! I'm getting Half a feeling of, of enjoyment. God! In the cockles, or the sub cockles of my heart. Right, do yourself a favour and watch the video and tell me what you think shows you back. So, Anna, so Anna is my, as Amy is my Madonna. Uh, yeah, uh, Anna, my BFF, but also a lot, of, a, a lot of the manic gigs that I've been to have been with with Anna. Like we both absolutely love them, but she's the one that really, really loves James Dean Bradfield. For me, it was all about Nikki, but James in this video. But you can't just... both fancy the same person. Have you ever noticed that as well when you're with your mates? Yeah, and you like a band. It's just completely wrong to like the same. I know that's such a girl thing, it's really embarrassing, but it's true. When you're a young teenager and you like a band, you tend to maybe have taken a fancy to one of them. But true. I, you, you just need to choose different ones with your friends because otherwise it just gets a bit messy and wrong. And yeah. you, know, you have to have your little, you've got to pick a lane, basically. I don't think it was ever a conscious decision, but you know, no, but it I think people out. do it, you know, just subconsciously. Like you have yeah. to. Like, yeah. for example, Pearl Jam, I was definitely a Nettie Betty girl. Mm -hmm. Jane was a Stone girl. Well, we've both changed that. I was and an Eddie Bennett girl. Now, now we're all about the stone. <laughs> we, we realise his, uh, his contribution to the band. And we're not going to turn this into another project. I'm sorry. No, we, we mustn't turn this into man. a... I know I started it, but we mustn't turn this into an objectifying hot rock stars know, podcast but, either. you know, we're only human beings. I know. I know. So, and we, 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 we certainly promised, probably, to each other off air to be honest about what Absolutely. we say. So... There it is. Absolutely. I'm so glad you like this song. So we've just missed it. Oh no, it's here. Yeah, so that Neon Loneliness. So that was lifted straight from a poem by poet Patrick Jones. But he didn't mind because he's Nicky Wire's brother. Nicky Wire is actually Nicky Jones. Um, so that's from there. Um, this song is all about alienation and despair, as many Manic Street Preacher songs are. This is this is better lyrically and musically and everything, but I will say that my main sticking point, even as, even as a young teenager, was just it just seemed so pretentious, really. Right. Okay. I think uh, yeah, a lot of people felt that way, feel that way. They're wrong. Everyone, including you. <laughs> no, they're no, they're not pretentious. I think there's. Uh, so it goes back to, I think we've had this discussion before about, you know, like the clash, the clash being like the thinking men's, it was your words, the thinking man's sex pistols and stuff. And they, yeah, okay. Then there was the thinking man's yob. Thinking man's yob, okay, <laughs> right. So yeah, the manics aren't yobs, I'm stretching the imagination, but sex they were massively, <laughs> okay, but they were massively influenced by the clash. And so there's a great uh, documentary Ooh, a called, good band. There's, there's a great documentary called No Manifesto. Uh, where they talk, I can't remember which one, I think maybe it's Nikki, but talking about like, you know, why uh, The Clash was such a massive influence on them. And it wasn't just, you know, the, the, 
the music, it was that they weren't afraid to like you know put their political messages in songs yeah. and to you know talk about um, books. You know, for Mannix, like literature was was just as important as their favorite record. So I get no, I get that. But you know, the Mannix do you over their that was that was my complaint. Not that you shouldn't quote, although sometimes it can come off a bit wanky. That's just it just can sometimes, and I just mean that across the board bands. Not I'm not talking specifically about the Manics now, but you know, yeah. Can, but then come off a bit wanky. That's all I'm saying. I, I, it could do, but then on the other hand, you know, it's not cool to just be like a football. You're you're talking about. You know, going out shagging birds and drinking lager. You know, that's not what the manics are about. choices now. And <laughs> but that's Oasis the or think, the manics? Well, are these my fucking yeah. choices in the nineties? Thank goodness that isn't true. Actually, well, I don't know, but I think there is a bit of that, and we'll come on to it with the next band as as well. That's why I always prefer. Blur. Uh, I don't even like Blur particularly, but I'll take Blur over Oasis any day. Uh, so, well, musically, I was the other way around, but uh, yeah, I I get your point, but I think. Mm. But that, but that's a, a composite feeling of everything. Yeah, that then, happened, and since you know, from then to now, kind of thing. Okay, so would you call Public Enemy pretentious? Not to their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's another thing. Public Enemy were also a big influence. I on the mass- never said you couldn't quote it. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, and this is, um, this is actually quoting, like, famous quote. And then, uh, yeah, and then we actually. That's um, not how they talk. You know, because... Is that your Welsh accent? <laughs> is that shit? <laughs> I'm not slagging like, like you off personally. I mean, come on, don't oh. go there. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway, and don't make me do a Welsh accent because is, now I want to. You're wrong. Oh, do one. Go no, on. No, no. No, <laughs> I'm not something doing it now. Fine. Anyway, I just think, oh, that, that, oh that, do you know what? I just, oh, you broke my heart. What? I just bit. said I like the freaking track. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, but like, I get why you don't like Madonna. I get why you might not really like the next band or artist that, uh, you know, that also means a lot to me. But Madonna, I mean, the Manics, I just kind of think, <sighs> I, uh, I didn't say they were wanky. I just said that. Uh, oh, sorry. Did, 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 did I just lose you for a minute? But that, you know, they're punk. Very they've got swagger. They're you know, I just they're don't rocky. find them punk. I don't they're, find they've got swagger. They're that's poppy. All. They're melodious. They're beautiful. Pop, yes. They're intelligent. They're honest. They're iconoclastic. They're unapologetic. They're just everything. You, you know should what? like them. No, no, no. I love what you just said because that you just summed it up for me. Anyway, they're alternative pop. That's how I feel about. Oh them. my god, they are so far from punk to me. They are so punk. I just don't find them punk at all. So punk. You at got, all. Right. Oh, just please do yourself a favor. <laughs> and me. Just give Generation Terrorists a listen. I was there just. in the 90s, okay? <sighs> but you on. weren't listening to the Manics. I was listening. Well, let's listen carefully enough. <laughs> anyway, I was going to tell you some you more know, stuff you know, about this. Is all queuing up. R is for Rage Against the Machine, and you're going to get it. We're listening to the whole album loud. I'll tell you about poetry. Okay. Woman. Okay. <laughs> Okay, from feudal surf to spender, isn't that just a beautiful lyric? It's just great. Or do you think that's pretentious? Yes, I do. Oh, I just <laughs> think it's brilliant. Do. It's brilliant. You know, when people you know are what, talking Hannah, about I'm nonsense, not, I'm not. You know, this isn't directed at you. Okay, I know, I'm just not taking it. You can't personally. carry the Manix and Madonna and Kylie and Jason on your shoulders. <laughs> you, know? you can't hold them up. 
It's not your job. I'm just unburden yourself, child. Just trying to open your mind to oh, it's just you're great, but some of your early nineties music choices are a bit weird. <laughs> just, okay. Ugh. Anyway. Is that the end? I was, no, I was <laughs> I've lost my thread again now. Damn you. They've got a great song called, actually it wasn't their song, it's a cover, but also on this album called Damn Dog. That's great. It's just about dog. Um, anyway. <laughs> it's about a dog. <laughs> no, is it about Pavlov's dog? <laughs> no, they didn't actually write it. That's that's a cover that was on that song. But anyway, Motorcycle Emptius. I'm going to move on now. Actually, no, before I do, what else can I tell you about? Yeah, no, attack on hollowness and a lifestyle centered around capitalism <laughs> and consumerism. When you were a rock star packing at the O2, shut the freak up. Really, really, James. They Dean weren't. Bradley. They weren't packing the way, up. They weren't packing up at this point. Why is he going by <laughs> three names? <laughs> Pretentious. Well, I don't know if this I mean. is true, but apparently, this uh, this may not be at all true. But I have heard that his dad originally wanted to call <laughs> call him Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Well, at least now we know where he gets it. <laughs> but no, I think it, I think James Dean was deliberate. I think his dad did name him after James Dean. But that's not his fault. You, can, is you it? can't. Can you feel me rolling my eyes that's from the fault. distance? <laughs> anyway, oh, I don't know. I just think it's that's they great. are such a, a contrast from like the laddish, you know, party sounds of of, of, of the early nineties. You know, this is a massive contrast, I think, from the other stuff. Yeah, I think they've gone a bit too time. far in the other direction, a bit too You know, Happy for me, Monday, though. not that I have a problem with the Happy Mondays either, but, you know, it's no. just, why aren't we doing the Happy Mondays? No one else was doing this. Emma for do. Mondays. <laughs> totally. We've done, I've done in my <laughs> godlike, godlike genius that you slag to hell as well. Anyway. That was about the enemy. That was, right. you know, that okay. was, they're, they're very pretentious as well. <laughs> right. You'll be pleased. I'm not going to play any more Manics, but I was going to play. Way, actually, thank you for bringing up godlike genius because... There's like two women in the entire thing. I know it's so that was utterly, bad. Yeah. like unfeminist. It's out- outrageous oh. to suggest. And let's face it, I mean, the only two times that well, they've had like big covers of women, they've got like side boob, you know, and they're basically naked from the waist up. I mean, oh yeah, just, it's a white man's magazine. You, Absolutely, they are proper. They're you know sensitive lads, but they're lads. Who the manics? No enemy. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm not going to defend the enemy, but really, the manics were godlike geniuses. Uh, right. So uh, another one I culled off this list, but another M um, is well, sort of an M. Suicide is fa- is is painless. The theme from Mash. Incredible. It's a cover version. I love that. You, what the original or the yes, manics the version? Original. Right, of the original. Listen yeah. to the manics <laughs> version, and I mean that's a massive crowd pleaser as well. But that. That always makes me want to cry. It, yeah, yeah, it does. I had to. Oh, do you want me to play it to you? Have you got the original? No, I n- n- no. no, no. I can't. I can't the Manix version off this, but I used to love that. And actually, it came oh, out. Oh, you talked about it now. You've oh, I haven't got it, it on my playlist. Oh, All right, okay. bear with me a minute, and I'll put it on. But um, that I actually came about out. How much I hate the Manix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I cut it out because I just thought, no, she's going to kill me if I play it. No, in fact, you know, um, any kind of TV American TV theme tune from the 80s or 70s even uh saint elsewhere hill street blues i just love it there's something that connects them all it's just gorgeous Uh, i put this song on so many mixtapes this version 
this is better than the original. The original. Well, they've ruined it there, obviously, but you know. The original, apparently, it was like co written by, I can't remember who wrote it, but the other, he co wrote it with his child. I think he was like 14 or something at the time, because he was told it was supposed to be like the most ridiculous, like stupid song ever. It needed to have really stupid lyrics. Um, this is according to something I was reading in Wikipedia. And so he, he got his kid to write it. But now listening to the lyrics, like, I mean, it's a really sad song. It is. So I don't really understand how that composition came about. Just the, yeah, the melody as well. It's just, yeah. Very close, yeah. But the Manix released this. I think, I think it was either an NME or Melody Maker charity thing. I think it was for the Spastic Society. <gasps> and it was like a double A side. No, they're not called that anymore, Hannah. No, no, but that's what they were called then. So I can get away with that. It's Scope it's just, now, Hannah. You won. Yes, but it wasn't Scope you then. It wasn't Scope then. That's what it was called. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, like it said on the Christmas stamps, wasn't it? And the free cards that they would give away as well. Oh, hello, Alan Partridge. <laughs> We're not going down that road again. Chipping anyway, fiber to the spastics. It was a double A side. <laughs> you you man- said it like that, what would me. The, what would the manic say? <laughs> I was just being factual. That's what it was called at the time. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, Christians. <laughs> Hannah, please. <laughs> I was trying to be Alan Partridge. Yeah. <laughs> he says, oh my God. He's a lot more, you know, PC than that, isn't he? Do you want to hear my fun fact? Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, over to you now, Lily. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, folks. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much. You're not getting away that lightly. <laughs> Got a whole other artist to go. Anyway, what I was going to tell you, the double A side. <laughs> what? <laughs> How long have we been going? I thought it was going to be a short oh, one. Nearly, <laughs> nearly at an hour. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, Don't worry, we're going to cut out that bit about <laughs> your dad and the bottom of the corner. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <gasps> anyway, it was a double A side with the Fatima Mansions who did a cover of Brian Adams's. Is it Brian Adams? The Robin Hood guy. Everything, Everything I, I do. do, I do with yeah, they did a cover of that. And then it also, I think, had. The B side of the double A side, I think this is right, had this fascinating conversation that was recorded in the, uh, I think it was the enemy offices, maybe it was the Melody Maker offices, but it was just after, do you remember the photo of, um, so Steve Lamack had interviewed uh, the Mannix, or maybe it was just, no, it was, I think it was James and Richie oh, after okay. a gig and like asked, you know, oh, did he come to them? Yeah, one, so yeah. he carved four real, and it's like the, um, it's the conversation that happened in the newspaper offices the following day about whether they should or shouldn't print the picture. And it's a, quite a long conversation. It's, it's, I do it's remember that, yeah. a really fascinating insight into, yeah, sort of editorial practices of the uh, early 90s music music papers. Anyway, beautiful song, which I wasn't going to play you, but since you insisted, there you go. It's your fault this podcast's overrunning. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if that's right. true, then can I please play the hill street blues music no you can't this is mine go away this is by this is about me myself and me look what a great intro to that did song. you ever watch that, sounds, that sounded like you opening a can of tonic did you hear it yeah i did yeah right okay so this song i, I, I don't expect you to have heard this song um because it was never released as a single it was the um last track on um, the Blue Tones Expecting to Fly album, which came out in February 1996. And I, I don't really know why, but this is my favourite Blue Tones song. Um, I don't think it's a particular like crowd pleaser. They, uh, I've only seen them play it once live. 
um, it's not something that really gets requested other than by me. But there's a lyric in this. <laughs> so I had, <laughs> I was one of those wanky, pretentious teenagers that had like a, <laughs> a little notebook. No, all teenagers are wanky, pretentious. Can we just get that out of the way? Even though when they don't think that they are. Did you keep a little notebook where you wrote down like, you know, profound quotes and stuff? Probably. Yeah, yeah I had a those. homework diary and uh, we put all... Yeah. Yeah. All like important, like deep lyrics. Exactly. Money. We actually said stuff like, that's just really deep. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Not just me then. Real. But one of the lyrics that I had and I like illustrated it and everything was from this song and it goes, If I found a brand new colour, something no one had ever seen, I dug it right I dug it up right there in my garden, that would be the greatest thing. I don't know why, but I love that lyric <laughs> so much. It's not even that profound. But thinking about it. I think it might be because those joysticks making you a bit high in your bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> all the windows closed. You know what? I think it might have been like it triggered something about a childhood memory of um, like when you're really little. And I, and I think I only read the penny dropped the other day when my daughter was, you know, doing this. This is the lyric. I just love it. Nice voice. They have got better lyrics, but I just love that one. So yeah, I think my daughter was just doing some colouring and, you know, she scribbled lots of different colours over, you know, over, over each other. And she was like, look, do you like my colour? And then I remembered that I used to do that with my friends, probably uh, around the same age and be like, oh, this is an amazing colour and then try and recreate it. I mean, obviously it just looked brown, it was shit, but, you know, I thought I'd invented a new colour. Did you ever do that? <laughs> no. no. Okay, funnily enough. But I think maybe, maybe that's why. I don't know. Can't explain it. But I love this song. So, uh, the, so this is my final M. You'll be pleased to know. So, Mark Morris slash the Blue Tones. So, Mark Morris on vocals, Adam Devlin on guitar, Scott Morris, Mark's little brother on bass, Ed Chester's on drums. The Blue Tones. And it's Mark, you say? Mark Morris, yeah. So, they've so Mark, if you're listening, and then really loves you. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Shout her out some gig. Um, she'd really love that. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, but also do that. So they were formed in Hounslow in 1993, and they still like they still tour a bit. But um, Scott is now living in Japan, so they're not. I knew a guy from uh, who had a band in Brighton. I think he lived in um, that place that you wanted to live along the coast. See, um, the one with uh, the Shoreham. Shoreham, thank you. He was from Shoreham, but I think the other guys, or maybe they were from Shoreham, Brighton area, and they supported Blue Tones and oh. Worthing. I didn't go to the gig, but uh, we were all pretty um, pretty proud of him. Oh, well, that's that. funny you say Worthing. So the last time I saw the Blue Tones was in Worthing a couple of years ago. So again, with Anna, so BFF Manic Street Preachers Anna, also loves the Blue Tones. So we first saw them, um, I think in... Uh, 1995, 1996, I've got it written here, March 19, 1996, at Reading Student Union. Um, you see, oh, well, then this would have been the year before that, or even maybe possibly the year before that. They weren't called Laxton Superb, were they? No, they were called yeah, Blue Tones. No, 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 your mate's band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you, Div. <laughs> <laughs> that's Jake James. <laughs> no, they were called Honey Tree. Okay, all right. It was Laxon Superb that supported them at, at Reading, I think. But anyway, 
So November 2019, went to St. Paul's in Worthing. So have you ever been to St. Paul's? Cathedral. Uh, no. <laughs> that, that famous cathedral in Sorry. Wording. Am I in the... No. Am I on this podcast? Can I hear anything? What? <laughs> no. It's, it's just a lovely... It's a it's a really lovely, intimate little venue. Well, it yes, used to be a church. Funnily enough. But uh, <laughs> not in Worthing. I'm not familiar with the venue that you're speaking of. No. Anyway. So we went to see them there uh, in 2019. One of the last... Ooh, one of the last live gigs that I saw. But... um. So before the gig, so this was coming up to Didn't you see Anna's, us? Yeah. No one saw anything. Like, yes, yes, I did. did. I will come to that. I will come to Bloody that. Bloody did. But let me tell you the Anna story first. So um, uh, she hadn't been to see anything for a while. You know, like she just, you know, she, she, she's, she's got two young kids. Um, so, and, you know, doesn't, she lives in London. Um so she came down and we were really excited about going to see them and it was coming up to her birthday. So I thought, oh, so I contacted the Blue Tones through the Facebook, not really thinking that you know, anyone would reply because I'm still like, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. And uh, I said, like, you know, going to come see you in, in Worthing, uh, coming with my friend. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's nearly her 40th. Um, we first saw you together however many years ago it was, you know, when we were like 15, 16 or whatever. It'd be amazing if you could just say happy birthday to her at some point in the gig. And straight away, um, they wrote back and it said, you know, M at the end. So it's like, oh my God, it's Mark, it's Mark. <laughs> so I, I, to give a little bit more context, Mark Morris is my hall pass. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my two hall passes. <laughs> you have two? Wait, got two. I've told you, the other one's Charlie Day out of It's Always Sunny in Villa. You have two? <laughs> Chris is allowed to as well. Um, anyway, yeah, but his aren't his ridiculous. Uh, Scarlett like, Hansen um, and Cara Delevingne. He's not allowed Cara <laughs> Delevingne now. Um, I don't think she'd have him, but well, from what true, I hear, but, hey. but one of his mates went to school with her, so like that's not allowed. It's just too close for comfort. But anyway, going back to pretty sure Chris is word. a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty sure you can actually <laughs> add her to the list. It's fine. In fact, say so, you know what? Never mind about Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Cara, it's, she's all yours now. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I digress. But yeah, that was just to give a bit of context that like, you know, how much I love <clears throat> Mark Morris. And so when he replied, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. You know, tell Chris straight away. He's like, oh, great, me, happy for you. So he replied and said, yeah, if I, you know, if I remember, definitely I'll do that. So I was like, oh, brilliant. So I didn't tell Anna, obviously. And the whole gig, I'm just waiting for it, waiting for it. You know, I need the loo halfway through. So I can't go to the toilet. I might miss, you know, I might miss the shout out and stuff. Anyway, the whole gig was excellent um they were it was the site they were like redoing their um science and nature album like in its entirety and then doing like you know some of the, you know, the best loved ones afterwards it's like a sort of double set gig thing um anyway no shout out so bit gutted but still like amazing gig so anyway waiting for the train uh, on the way home i you know wrote a message back saying like oh you guys are amazing um yeah, too bad that you didn't get a chance to do a shout out but you know you, i don't know some sycophantic message that I wrote <laughs> and anyway and then he replies not, back and he goes like your phone and scroll through and just tell us what it I'll says. find it I'll find it I'll Instagram it I want to know mm. what it says I'll, yeah I'll find it in a bit yes Instagram it <clears throat> and then tag him and you might oh my god hear from no, your hero you imagine so no, bad I've got another story I'll tell you in a minute are we on like two hours yet anyway so he replies like it, back no. he replies <laughs> this is so let me tell my story this is about me today okay not your bloody birthday, God. although it nearly is, Honestly, but it isn't. You're trying to have Calm a bloody conversation down. and I'm just trying to have a bloody monologue. <laughs> it's M. 
for my bloody monologue <laughs> about Mark Morris. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Yes, so he responds, <laughs> he responds, oh no, I'm such a pillock. I said hello to her in Guildford. <laughs> yeah, sure you did, Mark. <laughs> anyway, right, so let's have a little bit more music. Um, so, uh, Bluto is still sort of, you know, together when they can be, but Mark also has a solo career. So, uh, his first, uh, his, his debut solo album came out in May 2008 called Memory Muscle, and this is my favourite song off it. It's called I'm Sick. Um, kind of folky. Oh, another link here to Teenage Fan Club. There's another song on this album called Alcohol A Day, which is a cover um, of uh, Teenage Fan Club. Sorry. So there you go. It really sums up like British people abroad. <laughs> God. Anyway, absolutely love this song. And so the last time that I saw Mark Morris, <laughs> I didn't even hear. Oh, what sorry, flashbacks. I was having, I was having nineties flashbacks. I was too busy concentrating on myself and what, what I was going to say next. <laughs> what were you going to say? I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> ah, excuse me. Um, what do you think of this song? Do you like it? It's all right. You may speak as long as it's something nice. M is for meh. Oh, God. <laughs> Shut up, man. Um, <laughs> uh, what was good? Right. So the last, in fact, the last gig I ever saw was Mark Morris. So this was, I'm covering it down, actually. You and five other people. When was it? <laughs> it was, pretty much, actually. Well-spaced. It uh... was... So it was in it was in that last in the sort of in between lockdowns. Do you remember when uh, we went into tier three down here in Brighton, and then London went into tier four? So was it just before Christmas? I can't remember. Yeah, it was something. Do you remember like that. something we, like that? We managed to escape. We were all smug for about five minutes until we all then went into a national lockdown, and everyone was fine. Yeah. Anyway, it was at the Amersham Arms in in New Cross. So because I'd booked to see him. I guess it was last year or the year before it should have been at the O2 in Islington. And then obviously that got rescheduled and then rescheduled again. So it changed venue and it went from Islington to the Amersham Arms, but in like two sets. So we did like an early six o'clock set or whatever. And then we had the eight o'clock set. And so it's very weird being in a pub function room, you know, in tables of six all spaced out and, you know, he's sitting down and no one was allowed to sing and stuff. And it was really weird, very weird for him and stuff. He's a bit hoarse from his matinee. Well, yeah, so he'd done a matinee. It was very weird. It's all very butlins. But but it was great. You know, it was great to be out in a pub, you know, having dinner out and, you know, having a drink. And, oh, my God, you know, watching my hero, Mark Morris. But he gets, so we were quite eager, you know, got there quite early. So down at the table <laughs> early, at the 9 a.m. Uh, so listen <laughs> to your support act. <laughs> I was my husband as well. So, orcs! <laughs> Can you please sign my husband? It gets worse. <laughs> I promise you, it gets so much worse. So there was a support, Mars Alexander was a support act. She was very, she was very, very good. Um, anyway, then Mark comes on, uh, chatting a bit with the punters there. Basically just Chris and I. <laughs> There weren't very many people there. Just this making small talk. Chris out the way and went, I'm sorry, I don't know that man. No, this is when I <laughs> absolutely <laughs> froze, okay? I turned into a 14-year-old fangirl. Literally, I couldn't say anything. I could not say anything. And he was talking to me. He was looking at me, not Chris. And Chris is there like, <laughs> like what is going on? Chatting up I your whole past. Say. How I, weird is I that? I could not say anything. I just turned into a babbling idiot. <laughs> and Chris had to step in. And have a conversation with my hall pass <laughs> for me because 
I was just yeah. like this there's 14 no- year old starstruck bellend. There's nothing worse than like somebody who just completely doesn't understand your absolute admiration for someone just being completely normal around them. And you're like, how are you doing this? <laughs> how? How are you being normal? And they're amazing. So you can imagine he ripped the piss out of me. He was like, you had your chance, Hannah. <laughs> you could have gone for it. <laughs> and yeah. I had the chat instead. <laughs> so yeah embarrassing but anyway he was uh brilliant you okay. can't you can't be cash one final people song. that you completely <clears throat> you love. can't i'm glad you understand me you may not understand my love for <laughs> the blue tones um no, I'm, but you understand i'm that. still a girl i get it okay this might make you warm to them a bit so um i'm gonna play this next song um uh, expecting to fly um not oasis off the number one spot for a whole week when it came out so there you go they're one of my new favorite bands oh you'll also like this so you like um what we what we see in the shadows what we do in the shadows i always yes. get it wrong so um uh matt berry has a live band called the maples which uh mark is in and he's signed to acid jazz Signed to Jazz and also um, does the music for David Williams's audio books for children. Does he? Fancy that. Anyway, this is the last song. Okay. Now, I told you I wasn't going to play any more Madonna, sung by Madonna. Yes. But can you recognise this song? Yes. Bloody, bloody <laughs> love this song. So, this is Angel by Madonna. Now, it came out, this version came out in 2015 on The Taste of Mark Morris, which is an absolute cracker of a covers album by Mark Morris. Oh, um, I'll stick a picture of the uh, of the CD up because there's a bit on it. At the back, it says something like, this record needs to be played loud, ideally on a yacht, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. His voice is a bit quiet, isn't it? I can this see why he would sublime. recommend you do that. So I saw him play this live in Lewis, again, just up the road. And so I think it was in 2014. I think it was my first night out after having my second child. People um, wonder how many fucking kids you got. <laughs> only three, only three. Done. None of them with Mark Morris. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> He's happily Number married four, with children. Boom. I, I do. I do love my husband. I wouldn't really cheat on my husband. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> that message for him. <laughs> he knows. He'd forgive me. Um, <laughs> what now? He'd forgive you. What now? He'd, he'd buy a plane ticket. He'd be off to find Scarjo. It's all right, Anna. I do forgive you, but I'll be back in about five days. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he played this. Um, in, it was like a youth club in Lewis. I can't remember the name of it, but like a wedding had just happened in the same venue. Um, and yeah, it was like a really weird, just like really intimate gig it was lovely and he played this and i was like mind blown this is my favorite male singer covering my favorite female he's got the voice of an angel and he's singing madonna's angel i honestly i just can't explain how amazing i I feel like there's real potential here for you and mark to become besties I would be mute, wouldn't I? It'd just be pathetic. Eventually you'll get over it. You'll realise that you are a normal person. (laughs) Anyway, can I ask you one more favour? Okay, so this album, A Taste of Mark Morris. Why not? It's it's only been an hour and six minutes, sure. Pile it on. No, no, I'm not going to play it. I I can play it if you want. But there's a song on that. There's there's another song, which is just amazing. It's it's Lucretia, My Reflection by Sisters. Did you used to listen to Sisters of Mercy? I'd forgotten how much I used to really enjoy Sisters of Mercy, particularly Temple of Doom, but he covers Lucretia, My Reflection. And his cover of that 
is just amazing. And I've been playing that really loudly, not on my yacht, sadly, but in my Volkswagen <laughs> tour. Maybe. And after after school after school drop off, I crank it up, and I've been singing it very loudly in my car on my own. Bloody brilliant. Well, if people would leave us a few more, you know, five-star ratings and uh, some reviews, I mean, maybe we could think about getting a yacht, you know? That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's me done. In fact, I'm going to just find it on Spotify so that we can play out with that. Um, and in the meantime, you can maybe go ahead and tell people how they can... I would love to. Find us. Um, so you can email us, societyosmeagenxpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, societyosmeagenxpodcast. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we're on Anchor FM. You can leave us a voice message. And if you do, we might play it. So, you know, think about it. Um, also, you could leave us a review or a five-star rating. You know, hopefully you think it might be worth it if you've come this far and we're talking one hour and 10 minutes of hannah's just personal love so i really thought this was going to be a short one sorry i have to believe (laughs) that if you've come this far you're either a one of our husbands b my husband doesn't bother (laughs) b mark morris because he's feeling particularly i don't know into himself today Uh, hi mark if you are uh or you know you might actually want to do that so that would be cool if you did you know, we, we'd love it. Um, we, we would leave you a review <laughs> <laughs> if that happened. I mean, we, we're here for the reciprocity now these days. Uh, you know, if we can help you, let us know. And uh, in closing, Hannah, have you got any last, last thoughts, last messages for Mark, Madonna or uh, the Mannix? I've got a message for you, Lily. <laughs> oh. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done, ma'am. And uh, that'll be it from us until next week. Ciao. That's a little bit of pretentiousness for a man <laughs> Do you like it? Just crank this up before we go. Oh, so good. It is. It's just so faint. <laughs> Get undressed. Get rid of you and me. We got the key. Got to do Sisters of Mercy at some point. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs>